Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm an insufferable... Numbskull. Numbskull. I'm an insufferable... I don't know if you're insufferable. Are you insufferable? Let's let's, let's break this down. So. FYI, my Twitter started blowing up last night, and I said, oh, Elon's called you out. And our producer's the one that gave me the heads up, Lara. Yeah. And so I went on, and he called me an insufferable numbskull. And I looked up numbskull because I wasn't entirely sure what it meant. Yeah. It means foolish and stupid. And I think I want your opinion here. I think I'm more foolish than stupid. What do you think? Well, oh, that's a hard one. That's a tough one? I think it's an easy one. Uh, No, foolish. Foolish for sure. 100%. Why are you foolish? Well, you you have said you were stupid about Tesla stock, and I pointed it out several times. Like you were wrong, not stupid. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't understand, quite frankly, what was going on. I didn't understand why he and his army of flying monkeys were coming after me. He gets it into his head sometimes. Well, it's I. I had put out what I thought was a fairly innocuous tweet saying that uh, kind of a, a page out of the CEO big tech playbook is they never want to take responsibility for their actions, including selling stock. Oh, yeah, about that. And I think what's happening here is that, uh, so Elon Musk now has, I think, about $200 billion of the Tesla stock. He was given so many options as part of his comp package that when they expire, he'll exercise them because they're hugely in the money. Right. But that triggers a taxable event, the delta between the strike yeah. price and what the stock is trading at, which means he will probably have somewhere between a 5 and $10 billion tax liability. Yeah. And what he could do, what he could do easily is borrow against his holdings $10 billion at probably 0.5% to pay his tax bill. So he could basically borrow money for free to pay his tax bill. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What's the thing? Some very smart people who manage his money have said to him, look, if your stock got cut by 90%, Tesla would be worth more than General Motors and Ford still. So we have to model out the possibility that just as your stock has gone up 10x in the last 24 months, it could get cut by 90%. And if you had all of this money, and he's probably been borrowing against his money, I'm sorry, borrowing against his stock for a while, if you have $20 billion in debt and your holdings go from being worth $200 billion to $20 billion, this could be a really, really ugly scenario for it. So they've modeled it out. And he's obviously decided, and by the way, it's the smart thing to do, mm-hmm. and it's his stock. He's entitled to sell it. Okay. But instead of taking responsibility for saying, I want to diversify, I need to pay some taxes, 
the, the, and he has said this, the stock is fully valued. Yeah, he said he's going to pay taxes. Yeah, go ahead. He says, Twitter, you tell me what to do. Yeah, I know. Over the weekend, he put out a Twitter poll asking me he should sell 10% of his Tesla stock. Scott, you tweeted he's using the Twitter results as a cloud cover to monetize Tesla at prices that he knows aren't sustainable without outright telling the market he's lost faith in its valuation, although he has said that somewhat. Yes, um, and then he has said, then he did you. This happened, has happened before. I've seen it happen before, many times. So Lara pointed out, and let's just call out the elephant in the room. Hmm. The sexual tension between the two of us is palpable. <laughs> it's palpable. Oh my God, and I got to be honest, again. last night I did have a sex dream about Elon. <laughs> we were in a, her, I, was, I was running my hands through his oh chest hair. God. We were Jesus in a hermetically God. sealed container 30, be- 30 feet below the Martian surface, uh-huh. recognizing that we were about to die a horrific death, either from asteroids or increased radiation or oh, gravitational no. pull that was melting our bones and neuro and yeah. neurons. But you know what? We had okay. each other, Kara. We had oh each other. God. So this is what I'm going to okay. do. No, I'm no, gonna, well, no, I'm going to take over. Wait a sec. Here's what I'm going to get us away from the weird sex thing we had about Elon. Here's what Elon told me last month. I he's uh, he's talking to me. Probably not now. Here's what Elon told me uh, last month. A code regarding his. By the way, Elon, I'm not his mama. He does whatever he wants. So don't blame me. Here's what Elon told me at code regarding his Tesla stock. I have a bunch of options that are expiring uh, early next year. So I'm. Uh, that a huge block of options will sell in Q4 because I have to, or they'll expire. Um, and my top marginal tax rate uh, is 53%. So there you go. Well, okay, he but here's the problem. It. And again, another yeah. another th- page out of the playbook. He just in time to monetize uh, the wealth of the wealthiest man in the world, he's decided to peace out to Texas. He's no longer a California resident. He became a resident of Texas in October just in time to start selling some of that $200 billion. But you know what happened? I thought my Twitter yeah. was going to absolutely go crazy and the trolls are going to yeah, come for me. Really, yeah. But he decided to take another 10 milligrams of CBD. And did you see the tweet he put out to Ron Wyden last night? Yes, Senator I did. Wyden? That, was, that was something else. Okay, yeah. so Senator Wyden basically said, well, something along the lines of, well, maybe you should just pay your taxes and this is justification. Yeah, which is common the, among the politicians. They do that all the for time. For the wealth tax. Yeah. And you know what he wrote back? Yeah. I, I How come your pee-pee look like it just come? So yeah, uh, here's, a, here's a little bit of color on Senator Ron Wyden. <sighs> yeah. His father fled Nazis. Mm-hmm. Senator Wyden was a scholar athlete, which means mm-hmm. he is very disciplined and in amazing shape. And he has been reelected four times to the greatest deliberative body on this planet or any other planet. So, Elon, shut the fuck up. Oh, goodness. Okay. All right. Yes, that was not that was not in good taste, I would say. But this, Twitter is not in good taste. That is true. So no, you don't want him to yell at why. He's he... in bad taste. This is not Twitter's mm-hmm. fault. No, 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 no. That was a bad What do young people think of our connective tissue, our government, when the most the wealthiest man in the world yeah. starts tweeting at the head of the Senate Finance Committee, which I could I would argue on a well, risk adjusted basis isn't great for shareholders, saying, How come your PP look like it just come? America, everybody. That's our role model. That's a, a lot of our leaders were tweeting at Big Bird for a COVID support of COVID vaccines. Ted Cruz called it propaganda. An Arizona state senator uh, called it flat out Big Bird is a communist. This has happened before with Big Bird, by the way. That was an interesting segue. Are you trying to protect Elon for fear he's not going to come on stage with you again? No, I am not. You may. No, no, Are you no, practicing access yeah. journalism? No, Are you trying to put a chain on the dog? No. no. You can, have I stopped you from saying anything you wanted about Elon Musk? No. You've tried to you've tried to save me from myself actually a few times. Aswath, <laughs> uh, actually, when yeah, he was who's on yeah. that 
last week, previously weighed in on Tesla. Here's what he said. Here, let me give you some cover here. Go ahead, Aswath. I've described Tesla as the ultimate story stock, a stock you buy because you like the story and you like the person telling the story. And fundamentally, this is what it boils down to. If you believe in Elon Musk, you're buying Tesla. And this is where the moment of reckoning is going to come, because I think Tesla has some real strengths. I mean, what other car company in the world would announce a car that's not going to come out for two years and 400,000 people put $1,500 down to get that car? They've got this rabid customer base. The key for them is, can they actually deliver? Because that's always been the weakness. I mean, they can they have great vision, but the nuts and bolts stuff, they seem to have trouble. All right, there's Aswat supporting you. And then Elon. It's a great car. I own one. I yep. own one. Elon, you noted that in your tweet back to him, which he has not responded to. Elon has tweeted before, by the way, speaking of support for Scott, Tesla's stock price is too high. So uh, so anyway, he has done that. I think he just, I think he might get on Twitter and have a, and be. It feels like perhaps. someone else is rubbing their fingers through Elon's chest hair. Well, in any case, I think he just does this just, he said this on stage to me, he does it just to bug people. He just does it. I'm thinking of tweeting at him a picture of me shirtless with hair. No, in exchange, he needs to send a picture of me shirtless with hair. I'm thinking 2000, no, 2001. No, what do you think? No, I know it's no, in his camera roll. No. I know no. it's in his camera roll. You need to you need to be as restrained as Big Bird is. That's how I, I would need say. to show more grace. Yes, you need I agree. to. You know That's what? He point. like he's just he's just it's piling onto those idiots who always attack you and say they have like stock things that are opposite. Hey, you know what? Whatever. You know what? You know what? You get out there and say your piece, and people you get out on the on the field, and the rest of them sit around and yell at you from the edge. You know what? It's okay. Go. I'm being very serious now. Yeah. It's okay to have enemies as long as yeah. they're more powerful than you. Otherwise, it's yeah. just bowling. I thought so, it was good. Um, I thought um, that was good. I thought you. I thought it was fine. Whatever. It's fine to be called a numbskull by Elon Musk. Did you see my challenge as I'm virtue signaling now? No. What was your challenge? No. I told him that I would give $10 million to the University of California, which he has benefited from uh-huh. if he matched me. So, Elon, oh. there's the challenge. You give $10 million to the U- University of California, I will do the same. And we can both continue yeah. to support the infrastructure for great companies of which you have benefited massively, known as the Cal State System and the University of oh, California. I, I like You're that. You're a ball See, boss. That's a useful thing, but that's not going to happen. This is just, he's, he's a he might some of his us. friends who don't like you, and there's several of his friends that don't like you. Well, and he was just- Well, what about just, if I prove that I'm every woman- that's of, what was happening. What about if, if I could prove to him for $7 billion that every woman of color in the South would have access to, say, family planning? Would he, would he fund it? Would he fund I don't it? Know. He'd like the he'd like the data, please. Just like that's, climate, just like just world did. hunger. Didn't he? Didn't he say he yeah, would fund that? Yeah, he said that? he wants the data. He said if he got the plan. I think I can give him the data on that. All right. Well, let's see if he responds to you. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know yeah. what to tell you. You had a throwdown with him, um, but that's good. Like you said, if you if people are attacking you from the top, but you're in good shape, it's fine. That's right. That's right. That's right. By the way, Tesla stock is is slipping as we record this, just so you know. Well, what a shocker. Ford, General Motors, Daimler Chrysler, Toyota, Honda, Kia, uh, uh, Tata Motors, Boeing, Airbus, JetBlue, Delta, American Airlines, and throw in, I don't know, every special retail in America, Tesla's worth more than all those companies combined. All right, you keep going. You keep you keep Don Quixote. You insufferable. N- At some point, I will be right. At some point, I you will be right. You insufferable numbskull. I'm not insufferable. People like the dog. No, you're suff- You're a sufferable numbskull. 
I'm totally sufferable. That was unfair. Elon, yeah. take off the I end. I suffered with the dog. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> anyway, it was very funny. funny that you didn't even know it was happening. I looked at it. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, nice. I, was go- I went to see the Washington Spirit, which is the women's soccer team. I took little the golden child. Oh, to no. it. Um, it was very nice. And we, I looked oh, at no. it and I was like, oh, no. And and the golden child went, <laughs> oh, no. And I said, oh, God. And she went, oh, God. <laughs> so it was Okay, let's talk about the show. I feel much better now. So just very briefly, Senators Klobuchar and Cotton, two people you do not imagine ever sitting, going to a bar and suffering each other, Mm -hmm. introduced a bill to fight tech monopolies and only tech monopolies. I find this problematic, but the bill would make it harder for giant companies to buy up smaller competitors. It would also apply to companies with a valuation over $600 billion. That's only tech giants. Uh, Walmart, Visa, and J.P. Morgan are below the line. I don't know. Everybody's a tech giant, in my opinion. So first off, I just want to highlight an actual incredible role model for men, Amy Klobuchar, who does the work and has grace and is unafraid. She's a fantastic role model for young men. Yeah, she is. I love this, except it's bad legislation because here's the thing. Antitrust should be a function of you diminishing market power and competitiveness. It shouldn't be based on size. There are some companies that are $2 trillion companies that should be allowed to acquire other companies. And there are companies that are... $30 $30 billion that should have their acquisitions blocked because they are locking up and creating a, non- a less competitive environment in their smaller sector. So yeah, this dog won't hunt. This isn't – an economist for the other side is going to rip this apart. Yeah, agreed. I think it's problematic. And anyway, it, it's it, – you know, it's these are the moves, the beginning of changing antitrust. Like, who knows all the strategery going on here? Um, there's a lot going on. Yeah, there's, there's a, a lot, lot going, going on. on. So anyway, that, it's interesting the two of them are together and they're going to push for something. And that we'll see where it comes out. But there is antitrust legislation coming, I suspect. I don't think they're doing this because they're idiots. Um, but in any case, it, it's, it's rather interesting. It's a rather interesting bill. There's a lot of these bills now. We'll see where any of them go. Now, of course, we'll be talking in a minute about the infrastructure bill, etc. But first, let's do the big story, the latest in COVID treatment. The new antiviral pill from Pfizer could be a pandemic game changer, a pill. Pfizer's pill treats COVID symptoms, is said to cut the risk of hospitalization or death by 89%, which I think is the point of these things, not that it's going away. It's becoming endemic and we have to deal with it. A clinical trial was stopped early because results were so convincing. Now Pfizer says it will submit its pill to the FDA for approval in the U.S. Merck also has a pill, though it's less effective. And the U.S. uh, lifted travel restrictions for vaccinated people from a long list of countries, including Mexico, Canada, and most of Europe. Mm -hmm. Seems like uh, things are going rather well, even though everyone thinks Biden's an idiot. It seems to be moving forward. I was just this morning, I was noticing everybody was out. Mm-hmm. And about Agreed. last night, too. Yeah. Everybody feels Agreed. good. People were masking inappropriate. But at the same time, everybody, like my my local coffee place was full of people hanging, talking, yeah. chatting. It's a beautiful yeah. day. So what do, you, what do you think? Will it embolden anti-vaxxers? They just say, if I get COVID, I'll take the pill. And then lastly, I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers, oh, admitted he's unvaccinated. And, and uh, Terry Bradshaw got mad at him, calling him a liar. Well, not only that, but, you know, I'm thinking about getting... A procedure done. So, of course, I called Joe Rogan. That's where he really stepped in it was he said, as in his defense, he goes, wait, I called Joe Rogan to get advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, look, yeah. let, let, me, let me back up. Several people there's, are lying about their vaccinations, which is interesting. That's there's kind of some down, thing to do. We immediately, and I understand this, go to the downside of this thing. Like, yeah. could, it, could it create more vaccine hesitancy? The bottom line is, this is a wonderful thing. And yeah. 
Some of the most wonderful periods of prosperity have come directly out of crisis, whether it was the great fires of London spawning an era of beautiful architecture, World War II made, kept the peace, some investments we made. I think the progress around vaccinations and pharmaceutical research is going to be a real silver lining here. And the thought that we might have a pill that can can reduce death by 90%. There's also, you know what got glossed over this week is a yeah. company announced they're in late-stage clinical trials of what is effectively, effectively, Kara, a yeah. cure for HIV, not a prophylactic, not something yep. to suppress it, but something that could actually eliminate it. And I have uh, uh, two close friends, and including the godfather of my children, who was open about his HIV status. Yeah. And this is just a wonderful, joyous thing that science yep. and what's d disappointing and people have the right to not get vaccinated. But what is disappointing is that we have lost so much faith in the closest thing we have to a truth, and that is the iterative peer review practice called science. And yeah. it just – I think that – I've been thinking a lot about role models and male role models and, and the fact that once you get a certain following, people listen to you. And I think we've just created so much mistrust and doubt around our institutions, whether it's the Senate, yeah. whether it's doctors and medicine. And that is just terrible, terrible for America. So while while people continue this bullshit pseudoscience, I'm a junior epidemiologist because I used to call WWE fights and I have a huge following, which gives me expertise around shit. I mean, I love this guy, Joel Stein, who I think is a genius. I asked him what he thought of the political situation. Yeah. He said, I have no fucking idea and you shouldn't ask me. I don't know anything about politics. And I <laughs> love that he said that. He said, I just don't know anything about this. And because I have a yeah. little bit of a following doesn't mean I'm qualified. And it's a good yeah. lesson to me. Yeah, people do but, seem to... What 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 are we doing when we're attacking our institutions? And meanwhile, our institutions continue to march on and do really good work. The pharmaceutical industry yeah, and doctors are doing great work. Well, it's interesting because, you know, it, it, the Terry Bradshaw thing was interesting. And, of course, people were dragging Terry Bradshaw. I didn't see that. Can you say more about it? He, he, he said, um, you lied to everybody. I give Aaron Rodgers some advice. It would have been nice if he just come to the Naval Academy and learned how to be honest, learn not to lie, because that's what you did, Aaron. You lied to everyone. I'm extremely disappointed uh, in the actions of Aaron Rodgers. The um, Rodgers, who tested positive for coronavirus, realized he had not been vaccinated after saying earlier in the season he was immunized. So, Well, you know what? The coaches and the staff have to get vaccinated. But people are giving Terry Bradshaw a hard time. I don't think he's just saying it. Terry so. Bradshaw, that was a real fucking football team. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the yeah. Curtin. Take, bring, yeah. bring back Lynn Swan, and uh, I, I thought those guys were amazing. Anyways, right. I love – I'm obviously biased here. But yeah. this, again, is double standard for rich people and influential people. All the staff, you you have to be back. Do you realize there's going to be another uh, mixed MMA, is that what it's called, fight at Madison yeah. Square Garden? It's totally sold out. Yeah. You have to be vaccinated per New York state law, except yeah. Joe Rogan has managed to get an exemption. He gets to go to that fight without a vaccine. Uh, whatever. So, and but here's all the deal. The, he shouldn't. Have, he should have said he did. He said he was vaccinated and he wasn't. And he, NFL. This is the story. Has different protocols for vaccinated, unvaccinated players. Rogers had reported been participating in protocols for the vaccinated players and was, you know, so that's that's really that's that's right. Like, come on, if to say you're not because they have these protocols. And so then Bradshaw said, we're a nation divided politically or a divided nation on the COVID-19 or whether or not to take the vaccine. And unfortunately, we've got players that pretty much think only about themselves. Look, you don't have to take the friggin' vaccine if you want to, whatever. Yeah, you know, just stay at home and isolate. Just whatever, just fall. <laughs> but he doesn't like the rules and he doesn't like the things, so he's lying. I, that that does cross some sort of weird line that is just weird. It's just weird. He's got a zillion celebrity girlfriends, by the way, this guy. Anyway, oh, that's, that's some compensation. I'm going to call my friend who loves the Green Bay Packers and see what she thinks. She'll probably defend him.
because she was an amazing athlete. Jesus Christ, have you seen the arm on that guy? Yes, absolutely. So I don't know, just whatever. We're getting a pill. Everybody, calm the fuck down. That's what I say. We're getting a nice, nice pill. You'll be able to take it, and we don't have to listen to your bullshit. That's that's great. That is a really good. I have I have a new theory of commonality versus community. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about writing something about this idea that you know what we have commonality. We don't all have to get along, but we do have some commonality, and we need to focus on that. Well, there's more that unites us than divides us, Kara. Well, I, we don't even have to have that many things. It's just like don't yeah. lie about your friggin' COVID vaccine if you don't mind, and everyone can make their own decision. You know, I had I had someone say something about a mask. I was in Virginia, and someone said, mm-hmm. "You know, why are you wearing a mask?" I said, "You know what." I think you go on and about not wearing a mask, so fuck you. I can wear my mask if I want. I'm just, how do you like it on the other side? So it was interesting. I'm taking my 11-year-old to get his vaccine next week. I'm very oh. excited about it. And Louis I'm, got his his uh, his thing. He's getting his first one, right? His first one. Yeah, it was approved literally like last Monday. And I've already tried to get an appointment and CVS, I don't think is doing I don't want to give misinformation, but it hasn't been easy to get an appointment. You know what? We're in the seven, high 70s now. Everyone's sort of like, get over it or just take the pill eventually. Fine. Shut up. That's what I would like them all to do. Shut up. All these people who have to like do their little speeches, et cetera, et cetera. Just well, either. Uh, don't take I mean, it. Aaron, just tell us the truth so we can make Aaron, our Aaron Rodgers, and, uh, people have a right not to take it. Then they should, they should. They should implement certain protocols around themselves because you're more likely to spread it when you're not vaccinated. And so you're not being a good citizen when you pretend everything that you're vaccinated and you aren't. I think that's the issue here. We're at 50 percent vaccinated. I think you think we're higher than that. I heard we're at 58 percent of eligible adults. Okay, so one dose, 67.7 percent and fully vaccinated, 60 percent. So that's higher than it was. Yeah. One dose is. You have 50 to 100, call it 50 to 100 million people who have chosen not to get the vaccine who could. And you're talking probably about somewhere between 500,000 and 5 million people who either die or have long COVID because of vaccine hesitation. So I just, and and instead we have decided, we have decided to move authority. We have transferred authority and trust from our CDC and doctors and epidemiologists to celebrities who are, have all of a sudden decided to, to listen to the axis of misinformation, Trump. News Corps and Facebook and have decided that, oh, I don't need, I don't want to take a vaccine. And it's just, it's, it's just incredibly disappointing around that, what I'd call transfer of influence. It just says something strange about our nation right now. In any case, Rupert Murdoch requires people to have had a nose swab at his party. You have to have a nose swab to go to Rupert Murdoch's party. Just the yeah, let me take to the airwaves and tell you it's your liberty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not having uh, You know what uh, I would do? I'd go to that party and knock it. I'd say, no. What are you going to do about it? What are you gonna, they wouldn't liberty! 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 All right, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss the latest news in Congress, and we'll talk to a friend of Pivot about tech stocks. I'm sufferable. I'm You're sufferable, su- Carol. Sufferable. Su- You're still a numbskull. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. 
And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Scott, we're back with our second big story. Congress actually did something Friday. The House passed the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Now it goes to President Biden to be signed into law. Let's listen. Finally, infrastructure week. (laughs) As he said, it is finally infrastructure week. After all our waiting, the House hasn't approved the Build Back Better bill yet. A handful of centrists say they'll vote for the bill. Gets okays by Congress's accounting arm. Progressives accuse centrists of moving the goalposts, whatever. The bill has some in the crypto world worried. It could open the industry up to more regulation. It's not clear what will happen when the Treasury uses to clamp down on crypto. Big issue. Of course, another big issue for tech is the $65 billion for broadband access. If COVID is over by this time next year, will broadband still matter? Yes, it will. Or will it be back uh, to a mobile first size? Broadband will matter. Uh, the bill has lots of funding for cybersecurity. Uh, there's lots of bipartisan support there. And now the infrastructure bill has passed. Do Biden and his allies have any leverage to get build uh, back better through? I think they will. I think they will. What do you think? Scott? Well, you know, and we uh, so by the way, we predicted this last week. But you know we who's probably who's most responsible for this bill passing yesterday or Friday? Uh, Governor McAuliffe. Oh, all right. Specifically, okay. specifically, oh, right. him yeah, losing I'm an election losing. he should have won. All of a sudden, was a was the mother of all wake up calls for Democrats. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it's no it's no accident. Yeah. That 48 hours after, over the weekend, after they find out that Democrats who should have won have lost, they got their shit together and passed this thing. Yeah. So I hope it gives Governor McAuliffe some some comfort knowing that his loss was a wake-up call and the Democrats are finally, like, pulling together. But this, this we said this last week, we said in the next mm-hmm. 48 hours, there's going to be more progress on these bills than in the last 48 Yep. days. And yep. you know you're getting you know you're getting old. I actually got emotional when I heard this passed. This is going to be Did you? It's going to provide 550 billion in new funding for infrastructure projects including bridges, broadband and electric vehicle charging stations. How oh, what do you know we're subsidizing the wealthiest man in the world. Anyways, different point. <laughs> and represents the biggest federal investments in infrastructure in more than a decade. Uh, it'll be paid mostly with COVID relief funds that haven't been spent and a crackdown on taxes on, get this, for crypto trading. Uh-huh. It'll still add a, a quarter of a trillion dollars in projected deficits over the next 10 years. Quite frankly, I think that's, this is the kind of thing that deficits should be used for, and that is investing, making investments in the future. But infrastructure is literally like, what operating system do you want to program on top of? Do you want to program on top of... I don't know what the latest thing is, PPP, yeah. I'm not a computer, or DOS. Yeah, our country's been woefully behind in this. Yeah, and it's an investment in the middle class in America, yep. helping people yep. get to work, helping them yep. spend more time with their families, helping yep. them, you know, be more productive in their startups. And what we've yeah. decided is, okay, rich people can create their own mini infrastructures, but you have to have you have to have roads, ridges, and tunnels and 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 <laughs> You know, in infrastructure and clean water such that ordinary families can get to the good work of making money and, and, and cementing relationships. So I think this is – I think it's wonderful. Congratulations to them. I hope it's inspiration for the other bill to get through. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. What do you I think? I don't know Karen? if it's such – it's really interesting. Someone was tweeting something I thought was pretty smart yesterday where they were like, Biden's got everybody vaccinated pretty much. I mean, a lot of people vaccinated, passed this infrastructure bill. Uh, we're out of Afghanistan, a mess though it was, we're out. You know what I mean? Like that there's a lot that they can use to 
for the for the midterms, still probably in trouble for the midterms because they'll pull on some cultural whatever the hell they want to pull on. But it's really, uh, I think it's uh, it was a good thing. Now we'll see what happens with Bill Back Better. What do you think about that one? I don't know enough about the politics of it. I think we're going to get something there. I think the most exciting thing about that is that, and I didn't even know this was possible, but if the child tax credits uh, stay in there, you could have a reduction in child poverty of 62%. Like, I didn't even think that was possible to figure out a bill that could do that. So yeah. I, I think that Senators Bennett and Klobuchar don't get enough credit, and Senator Warren had a lot to do with it. And also, the person that the person that doesn't get the credit, in my view, that he deserves for this is Andrew Yang, because let's be honest, this is a form of UBI light. And because he kind of pushed, he set the goalposts of like, let's just give money to everybody, yeah. giving money to selectively. So it's not universal. It's targeted basic income for people under a certain, that make under a certain income. It just, no one would have dared try this. They would have called it European or socialist. But America's becoming comfortable with the fact that in an economy where digitization and innovation and education and certification are so important and certain people just naturally have more access to others. And then you couple that with a conscious decision to transfer wealth from poor people to rich people Mm -hmm. and from young to old. We're going to end up with homeless encampments off the 405 freeway in Los Angeles. And people are recognizing, okay, we're probably going to have to use the R word redistribution here. Yeah. So there's been a change in mindset. There's yeah, I think so, for mindset. sure. I think there has been. At the same time, uh, there's still some things outstanding. I, I was just noticing the stores The stores aren't stocked very well. I, it's really interesting. It's the first time I've noticed it. I mean, of course, we lit, my son is on sort of a consumer bent, like we're such gross consumers. But it is, there are some neg- terms of employment and whether people are going to work and this and that, and whether the stock market's too frothy, et cetera. So I think we should just tread th- these things. We have to look like we have a stable government who could, that can function. That's really, I think, one of the parts that'll um, make us all feel a little calmer and get out of this endless cycle of fear and rage, which we are in right now. Anyway, speaking of which, the stock market, let's bring in our friend of Pivot, Mark Mahaney. Mark is an analyst and author who covered internet stocks since 1998. He's been called, quote, one of the top investment analysts on Wall Street. He revealed some of his tips on investing rather than trading in his new book, Nothing But Net. Hey, Scott, I think I'll let you start since, Scott, you are the stock man, apparently. <laughs> the insufferable stock man. Mark. Yes, yes. Mark. Mark is a Mark is a friend. I can call you that, right, Mark? I don't say that about Yes, you can. Um, and he is the top internet analyst. So slowly through attrition, there used to be dozens of you. <laughs> now there's, right. now it's like yeah. Mark and some fourteen-year-old on Reddit that are yeah, that okay. are the premier stock analysts in the world. But Mark really is the gangster here. So Mark, let's bust in. Let's talk about the big guys: Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. And let's throw in Microsoft and Netflix just for shits and giggles. Wh- who do you think is overvalued and undervalued in the space? Okay. You know, for long-term investors, I think most of these tech platforms are enduring. So I just try to find which one at any one point in time is most dislocated because I think their fundamentals don't generally change that much. They, mm-hmm. They've only gotten stronger over the last two, five, and 10 years. So the top pick would be the one that's most dislocated. In my mind today, that's Facebook and then uh, Amazon. Uh, I think uh, Netflix is relatively close to being fully valued. I don't cover Microsoft and Apple. Uh, that leaves Google, and Google is reasonably valued, but it's not a screaming buy here. 
And the Facebook issues don't concern you. That you you think it's the PE, the headline news here, or the headline risk is reflected in the PE, and that it's a decent buy, and that Amazon, even at a PE, I think a forward PE of sixty, is is actually a, a decent buy. You like those two the most? Yeah, I do. And so uh, Facebook, you know, the from an investor pr- perspective, Facebook trades is something like a twenty five percent discount to Google, even though they have a similar growth profile. So the market's already pricing in a lot of regulatory. Uh, reputational risk into Facebook shares. And the market may well be right, but as an investor looking at it, you've got a fair amount of downside protection. Amazon as a stock has traded sideways. It's flatlined for almost 18 months now. Hmm. And the business has continued to grow. uh, And it's a deep in investment mode now. So I think that that valuation can be a little bit misleading. Uh, I think when you get a, a good core asset, if you were to pick one of these companies and hold it for the next five years, the one with uh, the best market opportunities, the best management team, best track record, you'd pick Amazon. And when you see an Amazon that's traded sideways for 18 months, that's the stock to buy, the most compelling long in that group. So when he talks about Facebook, you know, it being priced in, can you explain to people who are furious at, at Facebook at, why Wall Street doesn't care, doesn't matter. Obviously, they're just there to make money, but explain that sort of just clearly as why that happens. Yeah, so you're so Carrie, you're saying to why Wall Street doesn't care about yeah. um, the reputational issues, the yeah. ESG uh, yes. uh, complications around Facebook. Mm-hmm. And my answer to you is, well, if you look at the numbers, Wall Street actually does care. So if you look at um, uh, the valuation of Facebook versus Google, again, these two stocks have, I think, very similar growth profiles. They're probably going to mm-hmm. grow their earnings 20 to 30%. I know that's a broad range, but I think that's true. And the market is willing to pay 25% less for Facebook than they are for Google because mm-hmm. the market fears that there's going to be some sort of event out there that's going to dramatically reduce the earnings growth outlet for Facebook. Either it's going to be regulatory action, some sort of breakup, some sort of business practice change. So I think the market is anticipating much greater risk for Facebook than it is for Google. Mm-hmm. So Mark and I talk a decent amount. And the, the, mm-hmm. I asked him, I think a year ago, I said, what's your favorite pick? And you doubled down on something that I can't stand. And that was Uber. And you were right. And I look at Uber and I think, here's a company that's never figured out a way to be profitable, has all sorts of headline risk. And yet you like it. You, you you think you think it's a good buy. Your turn. Yeah, yeah. Good buy, not a good buy, but a good yeah, buy, a like good a buy. good buy stock. Good yeah, stock. I like Uber. Look, I the the when I say dug into the history of the internet companies and I've covered them for twenty five years, yeah. I tried to put together a couple of characteristics that I thought helped explain the successes and the failures along the way. Companies that face really large total addressable markets or TAMs, you know, it's pretty high up in my list. Companies yep. with, um, I like, I prefer founder-led companies. That's obviously not Uber, but I think Darakash Rashai, he's generally a very good manager. I've tracked him mm-hmm. for a long period of time. Companies mm-hmm. with compelling value propositions, i.e. people would pay more for them. Uh, like Netflix, they uh, people are willing to tolerate price increases. Um, and I think people, we've learned over the last year and a half, people are willing to pay more for Uber because the value proposition of ride sharing is so high. I put mm-hmm. these characteristics together and Uber looks to me to be very interesting. And mm-hmm. the stock, I'd say, is dislocated. I mean, the stock is um, uh, is uh, well off its highs. And that's one of the things I, I tried to, in this book, what I tried to do is do, I go to investors mm-hmm. and I say, look, you want to minimize two risks when you're investing in public markets, valuation right. risk and fundamentals risk. Fundamentals risk is companies that blow up on earnings, have dramatically decelerating revenue growth, margins plunge, et cetera. And then you want to try to hedge out uh, or minimize valuation risk. And the 
way you do that is you identify high quality assets that are facing large market opportunities. That's Uber. I mean, there's $2 trillion plus markets that they're facing. Delivery and ride sharing into the global leader in, in, uh, in most markets in those, uh, in those segments. That's a pretty good combination. The stock's dislocated mm -hmm. a lot of issues around it, but they're going to come out of COVID stronger. They just hit profitability. And I think you'll have a sea change in the number well, of investors that'll come in and buy it. Right, but the profitability has got all these things hanging off of it. You you all don't mind those, right? The earnings before everything, essentially. Yeah, it, that, that's true, Kara. But like, you know, you first have to get the earnings before everything, before you get to the earnings. You know, it's like it's the mm -hmm. leading indicator. So yes, you, you, we all at the end of the day want to see big chunks of free cash flow. Companies, a lot of companies go public in the tech space that aren't profitable. doesn't mean they can't be profitable long term. So you have to figure out what's wrong with the business model that doesn't allow them to be profitable. Or maybe there isn't. And my so view you see on, their uh, opportunities is bigger than their problems. That's behind yes. them, essentially. Right. So yeah. so what about the smaller player like a lift behind them? Uh, what do you, How do you look at the whole market in general? I, I always example? prefer the leader in the, in the segment. But, uh, you know, I like lift as a play. But, Kara, this is one of the big lessons I had. Like scale... Scale solves most problems in the internet space. You and I have looked at Amazon forever. There mm -hmm. were investors who, for the first yes. 10 years of that company, yep. said there was no way that company will ever be profitable. The first yep. year I worked on Wall Street at Morgan Stanley, the head of the, uh, the bank, Morgan Stanley, where I was, stopped me in the hallway and said, you know Amazon will never be profitable. And he was the wisest investor on Wall Street. So he was yeah. probably right, but he wasn't. Because yeah. scale solves almost everything, and it's going to do the same thing with Uber over time. Okay, so so Bitcoin has better ten year returns than Amazon and Facebook. Are you? How do you look at that? How do you figure that into what's happening? It is a it is an internet stock, really, aren't they? In a weird way, or internet investment type of. Yeah, investment. I'm not Kara. I'm not smart enough to figure out Bitcoin. <laughs> That's what Scott I, I, yeah, says. You and me both. So, Mark, your, your thoughts on Airbnb, and I'd love to get your thoughts on two or three companies, sort of the new guys that you're excited about that we, you should be on our radar screen that look like they could be could bust into that tier one. Airbnb is one of those. Spotify would be another one. Those are two mm -hmm. kind of out there a little bit on the on the edge of names that could be, you know, long term could be multiples higher than where they are today. Airbnb is a wonderful example of a founder led company. Great product innovation. I mean, they've um, they've uh, revolutionized the way that people can uh, list their homes, residences, you know, for rent. Uh, and then people can find places to stay. Like they cr they practically single handed created a new category of travel that's extremely broadly adopted by millennials. There's a lot of growth in Airbnb, very profitable business model, almost too profitable, frankly. I think they should be investing in a lot of new long-term growth opportunities. They should be investing in business. They should be investing in experiences and in China. But I understand why they're not doing that near term. But I think long term, they should definitely be taking down those margins, investing for growth. I like Airbnb. It's a huge TAM, trillion dollar plus TAM. I love TTAM companies, companies that are hmm. addressing, attacking trillion dollar plus uh, market opportunities. Airbnb is one of them. Spotify is a great a great case too. Here's a founder-led company. I mean, music's going to be on is on everybody's phone, uh, mm -hmm. you know, worldwide. Three billion smartphones. I think Spotify has the ability to be on a half of those. That's a billion and a half. And they've shown how they can make money through both subscriptions and through advertising revenue. It's not that profitable, but let's scale. You know, do its trick. Over time, this will be a nicely very profitable business. What, what what about companies we've never heard of? Like, what are some of the ones that you are looking, what areas are you looking? Because one of the things is young people are doing their own thing, whether it's run up meme stocks like AMC or GameStop. Uh, GameStop. How do, you, how do you look at that trend with these younger investors don't trust traditional investing? Um, how do you imagine that's going to shake out? 
You know, one of the things I uh, things that kind of inspired me to write this book is there's something like uh, 15 million new investors that came into the market over the last two years during the COVID crisis. Uh, people were looking for things to do at home. And so there's a lot of this day trading that came up. There's nothing wrong with day, day trading and meme trading. I just think you can make just as much money investing in the market and not taking these pot shots at what are oftentimes just expectations games. Are, are you going to have more yeah. people buying the stock a week from now? If you I, the, the lesson I picked from 25 years of looking at tech stocks, fundamentals matter. Like companies that generate more mm -hmm. revenue over time, more profits, those stocks go up. I know they can be very volatile at times, but that's the lesson. That's Amazon's gone up 166,000 uh, percent since its IPO. A lot of volatility, but fundamentals got better. The stock got better. So that's what I try to get people to focus on. Focus on long-term investing because fundamentals do drive stocks. Mark, I'm curious what you think of the whole iBuying phenomena is, I mean, Zillow, I thought that was really interesting news. And but it feels like the core business has never been healthier. Is this an opportunity to stock off from 200 to 65? I know you 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 follow Zillow. And then also, do you think that that, that throw up or miss, do, does that seem like it was specific to Zillow? Or do you think it could infect the entire space, including Open Door and others? Like, Give us your thoughts on what happened in the iBuying space in the last couple of weeks. I, I listened to your um, the pivot last week when you when you talked about when you dissected what happened at uh, Zillow. I think you largely got it right. I think this is specific idiosyncratic to the company itself. This was a company with a great competency in um, uh, generating marketing leads for real estate agents and helping consumers find the home of their dreams. And then they went into a different business, one that right. involved buying and selling homes and renovating homes. It's a very different set of competencies. That was always the risk behind Zillow. I made a mistake on this. I gave them a I gave them the opportunity. I, I upgraded the stock a couple of months after they went into I buying opportunity. I thought that I knew there was execution risk, but I thought there was a big TAM expansion, total adjustable market expansion. And they just shot themselves in the foot. I haven't seen this kind of mis-execution, this kind of blow up in such a short period of time. Agreed. Shocking, right? I mean it, it really it was truly shocking. shocking. I'm a big uh, fan of Rich Barton. He's been a great was, entrepreneur, was but born I think of envy, born of envy. That's why he did it. It was not, it was because he was thought he was missing something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it seems like it. So I, like I no, I, I think the core business is attractive, but I don't think you can buy the stock now. I think this is going to be in the in the woodshed for, uh, for probably a year or something like that. Probably need management change. Mm -hmm. What should wow. come out of the woodshed? Which wow. won't happen. Oh, it's dual class shareholder, right? Yeah. That won't yeah. happen, right? It could happen. No, it won't happen. You're right. Okay, this is a dangerous one. Mark, give me the bull case on Tesla. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I don't cover Tesla, Scott. <laughs> we'll try. Come, on, Come on. There's no way you don't read about it. You have to have a view on Tesla. Yeah, today, well, so, today you do. The so insufferable numbskull wants a view. Come on, let's yeah. go. Well, let's just step yeah. back a little bit. If you just think, you know, that this are, is Tesla addressing, you know, um, trillion dollar plus TAMs? Yes. Do yep. you have a founder led company? Yes. Yep. Is it one of the most innovative product companies that we've seen yep. of the last decade? Yes. Is uh, it overvalued? Know, Probably. I, I'm almost certain that it is near term. But again, I don't cover the stock. Okay. Oh, Scott, I think you're in. Come I think on, that was my a, brother. Come no, on. He's, he's left you. He's left you. I Seriously, have one last question, Mark. When you look at a lot of this legislation, now the billionaire's tax didn't pass, but there's lots of proposals. There's this Amy Klobuchar, Tom Cotton thing. There's all kinds of regulatory issues. How do you price those in? How do you think about where that's going? Because it's got to be part of your calculation. Um, and do you think it's for the better? Scott's makes the argument that this breaking things up is for the better or some of this regulation is for the better. What do you, well, how do you look at it? 
Well, Kara, I, I absolutely think this uh, this regulatory focus is for the better. You know, we've seen uh, th- these are extremely powerful companies. I, you know, we have to go back a long time before we've seen companies this relatively powerful. So, absolutely, mm-hmm. they should be scrutinized. Uh, they uh, and some of them have developed into monopolies. Now, whether they've actually caused consumer harm, I think that's very unlikely. I know we can debate Facebook on that, but I, th- I think some of that debate has just gone way too one-sided. That's mm-hmm. a personal view. But these companies should absolutely be regulated. They're extremely powerful companies. I don't think they should be broken up unless there's something you'd have to find really good smoking guns on these names. The two that are I think most in the wheelhouse for regulators, probably for good reasons, are Google and uh, and Facebook, and yeah, but for very 100%. different reasons. Google for antitrust reasons, uh, right. Facebook for for more for regulatory privacy reasons. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a final question. Mark and I are friends, and whenever we get together, we spend about ten percent of our time talking about stocks, and we spend the other ninety talking about about being a dad to boys and kids. I'm I'd really like to know. I think of you as a very soulful. Wonderful father, Mark. I'd love to know what what advice you have, uh, and what you've learned coming through COVID as as a dad. Like, what advice would you give to to men raising um, raising kids? You can't spend enough time with your kids. I guess that's my my uh, takeaway. And um, I've got I've got um, uh, three teenage boys and one twenty uh, one year old. And uh, I just it's just precious. You won't get the time back. So spend as much time with them as you can. That's it. And lead by example. I, uh, they they watch what you do rather than what you say. And increasingly, sometimes it's hard to get them to listen to what you say. But they watch what you do. So yeah. do the right thing, and they'll do the right thing too. Very nice. Very nice. Can I ask you one last question? Uh, you didn't answer my question. One one company we should be paying attention to, smaller, that you're like, hmm, I'm entranced with that company. I thought you would sort of like my a Spotify idea. I know it's a long Spotify. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just, right. you know, like, I mean, Do you it's think got, it's an acquisition target? No, I don't think so. I think it's got one-fourth. Uh, here's the quick example I'd ask you to think about. It's got one-fourth of the market cap of Netflix. I love Netflix, and I've covered yeah. it you know, forever. And, um, and Spotify's got one-fourth. And just think about it. How many people around the world are going to put uh, want to have video on their phones, and how many are going to put want to have music on their phones? It's about the same number. The rough you know, monthly subscription is about the same price. So that market cap delta, you know, long-term, uh, strikes me as being really different. And they... Uh, it's too wide. And they both have one of the things I love to see is companies, consumer companies with pricing power. Netflix has raised price and they've done it successfully. Amazon Prime raised price. They did it successfully because they have pricing power. They've got wonderful yeah. value propositions. Spotify's just begun to do this. All right. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. The book is called Nothing But Net, of course. Good book. It launches today. Thank you, Mark Mahaney. Thank you, Kara. Thank you, Scott. How much do we love Mark Mahaney? We do. He's a lovely guy. He's a very decent man. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for Wins and Fails. There are a million bad ways to start your morning off. The no coffee traffic jam. The soggy morning jog. The why is the dog taking so long? Just go already walk. But you can unleash your ideal day with a perfect shower using Method hair care products. Designed with high-quality ingredients, Method's new range of shampoos and conditioners will give your hair undeniable softness and shine. And hey, if you're a night shower kind of person, that's great too. Try Pure Peace infused with peony, rose water, and quinoa protein. Or Simply Nourish, crafted with coconut, rice milk, and shea butter. Or Daily Zen, made with cucumber, seaweed, and green tea. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Shop methodproducts.com. 
Okay, Scott, wins and fails. I'm going to go first. I think the win, which a movie I have not seen, is The Eternals, which really killed it at the box office. $71 million in North America and $162 million globally. Even mm-hmm. though it got bad scores, all these Marvel, like, demented fans were trying mm-hmm. to knock down the number. Uh, it was called a review bomb. Um, it did great. Uh, it was too, for them, it was too uh, long, too thoughtful, and too gay, I guess. That was one of the issues. Too uh, gay? Was, the Eternals yeah, was too was, gay? Yeah, because there's a gay character in it, a superhero. Hmm. First one, I think. Anyway, it, all this, like, all these ugh, these demented Marvel fans. And I, I'm a Marvel fan, and I do not like the mm-hmm. demented Marvel fans. And uh, it, it did really great. It's very it's a it's a very different Marvel movie, but nonetheless, the Marvel brand pushes through. And since they were worried about word of mouth on social media, etc., did hugely well. And I'm excited to I'm excited to see it because I like when they they this is a cast. It's an incredibly diverse cast. Um, that's not why I like it. I just would like more different kinds of Marvel movies, which is great. So very pleased with that. I'm very nice. And my fail is this Big Bird thing. How ridiculous. They were always attacking Big Bird. My kid loves Big Bird, so stop it. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't get that. I thought that was sort of weird. I know. Um, it's strange. But go do you think, but do you think PBS, do you think it was an overreach to kind of politicize Big Bird? Or do you think? No, I could, I could, they did it before he, when he got the another vaccine, like years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, stop it. Well, there's all kinds of people, and they're all in a line, and they don't look like they're buying candy. And there's a sign that says, don't wait, vaccinate. Sesame Street is not, it is It is actually, like I'm talking about, communal, not even just community, mm-hmm. Commu- mm-hmm. commonality. What do we have in common? Like, these Agreed. people have to stop. They need to shut the fuck up. Thank you. Please stay away from Big Bird. Spoken as a real Thank you. bridging communities there. <laughs> um, <laughs> shut the fuck up. The we all need to come together. Take so shut the, the fuck up. pill and stop yeah. yammering on to me. I don't want any okay. more yammering. Uh, my win is, uh, I think there's a ton of win. I think the infrastructure okay. bill is really exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think of, if you think of America's transportation and infrastructure as our house, we're the wealthiest person in the world, and they come to our house and I see what you know that you know the roof's leaking. So I think it's just, yeah. I think that's a big victory for us. Um, I think these the the Pfizer COVID uh, pill is really exciting. So I think there's a ton of silver linings here. Uh, my fail is, uh, I and I, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, hold this up as as uh, an aim of mine. I, I feel like th- th- there's an absence of male role models, mm. and uh, you know the wealthiest man in the world and the president used to be Barack Obama and Bill Gates. And I, I recognize all the controversy around Bill Gates, but I think Bill Gates has has demonstrated a lot of concern for the world, and I think Barack Obama is the role model I would want my kids to, to, to look at in terms of his excellence, his commitment to the country, his, his, his fidelity to his wife and his daughters. I think he's an outstanding role model and tremendous grace really, really goes out of his way never to be critical of anyone individually. I think he's an outstanding role model. And now our role models are, are an individual who mocks the disabled, our former president, and somebody who goes on you know, on Twitter high to say about a U.S. senator that you're, you, uh, I just, where are the role, you know, there are some great role models out there. I, I mm-hmm. you know, I think Amy Klobuchar, Andrew mm-hmm. Yang is a great role model. Steph Curry is a great mo- role model. The former dean of my school, Peter Henry, this huge athletic, decent broad scholars are great. There's a ton of them out there. I just wish they, I wish more people with more following would do what 
you know, follow Mark Mahaney's lead, and that is young men are watching. Yeah, young men are listening. And and I'm trying to show more grace because I reckon if I say something, young men start mm-hmm. emailing me and asking yeah. questions. Mm-hmm. And and when you have tens of millions of people, mostly young men following you, you know, these guys will will do will, will do as you act. Right. Uh, my my loss is I do think that a lot of men are not taking the same responsibility or commitment that past men have and serve as role models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is absolutely true. I think you're absolutely right. I think about that a lot because I have two sons um, uh, who I who you know raised by lesbians. Um, I think a lot about people like my brother, who has been great. Uh, my older brother has been I agree. has spent more time. My younger brother has not spent as much time with the kids, but he's a terrific guy. Um, but my older brother, especially, has been just recently. Both of my sons were like, we want to spend more time with him. Um, cause he's such a good role model to them. And it's really important. It's just the little t- amount of time, like, cause we live across the country and stuff like that. And especially with yeah. the pandemic. So it's been really important. I do. I think about that a lot. And then I think about my own sons being good role models. Like my, mm-hmm. uh, they both took care of Clara this weekend and they were really gentle and kind. And I thought, well, I've done something right somewhere mm-hmm. in this, in this entire mm-hmm. art. And so it's a really interesting Thing to think about, you know, and obviously men can have female role models, just like you said, and should, yeah, um, you know, and Angela that's Merkel, Angela do the Merkel. work, show fidelity to your country. <laughs> Angela Merkel shall be the, the fantastic one. role model. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's really, really, really important. And, and I agree with you. And I think we have to think, as I said, Commonality, not community. Commonality. It's my new thing. I'm gonna be. I'm thinking about it. I love that. The this healer. Like, Shut the fuck up. No, no. I want, like. I don't want to like. people together. You don't have her. to get along all the time. Yes, I was. Sure. You know what? There was. You can have civil <laughs> arguments like you and I do. I think that's why we are in a community, but we have commonality. That's where we come to. We're more that than is, civil. We have affection I, for I, one another. No, I was thinking of this discussion I had. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna. I'm gonna finish with this. I was thinking of a discussion I had with Mars. I heard very late one night here in DC. A long. Time ago, when he was with talking Mark to me, Zuckerberg yes, Zuck? and he was talking about right. a uh, uh, co- community all the time. He was obsessing mm-hmm. on it, and it's really important to to find commonality, like the, not community. And because he didn't, one of the things Amanda pointed out to me last night, we were talking about this, is that he he was looking for community, but he didn't care what kind of community got created. Right, that's the issue. Because mm-hmm. he didn't care about the kind of community, and so some communities are great, like people, as Amanda pointed out, there, you know, like people who have kids who have a certain cancer or something like that. These are groups of usefulness, right, where you come mm-hmm. together in something in common. But the only ones that work as a community, or as again, I'm going to attribute this to Amanda, is there is not a them that you're not against a them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what's mm-hmm. wrong with some of these communities connecting for the sake of connecting, but not what for. Right. And that's the problem is like there's no they're not they're connecting for the sake of connecting. And then there's a them. And then that becomes really toxic. I, I want to give Mark Zuckerberg the credit where credit's due. He has built yeah. a community of people who don't give a flying fuck about society and are committed to doing anything to enrich themselves. I think he has done a good job of bringing those people together. 
So the community's got to go. There's always going to be, you know, differences of opinion and this and that. But we have lost our sense of commonality. I'm not talking about just grab hands and everybody love Betty White. That's not what I'm talking about. But what is the next follow up question is, and I've been thinking about this, what is the connective tissue that restores that sense of community? Is it government? Is it church? Is it science? What is it? it I'm not sure. But it's not it's not this idea of creating these communities that have nothing that always has a them. Of them. Mm-hmm. We have to get them. This is what we're aggrieved at. There's a lot like here's it, it, it. It's a grift. It's a grift happening right now in this idea. It's like, look what they did to you. Look what this. Look what you can't say. Look what you look at that group. Look at this. This whole the whole language around the Glenn Youngkin thing is just like mm-hmm. not right. There's something off, and everyone's trying to grift into it. And I it's driving me crazy. Anyway, well, that's my suggestion. And, and- to, I mean, something very upsetting has happened, and that is typically Americans rally together and form that connective tissue uh, due to a crisis. We did come together in 9-11. We've come together right. with past, even you could argue the AIDS crisis, eventually we did mm. sort of come together, sort of, oh, after mm-hmm. a while. <laughs> we were waiting a long time for that, but not really. Yeah, but I do, think, I, do think, I do think that ultimately, I, I think over the long term- I I think people started developing more empathy. Um, Anyways, we can agree to disagree. But what's happened here that's different is we had a crisis and it's actually frayed our connective tissue. We didn't come together at all around this. And so this is a I think this is a really important conversation. What is the new connective tissue? Is it public service for young people to realize that we're Americans first? What is it? What is it doesn't it doesn't have to be much, actually. It doesn't have to be much. It doesn't. It just, it's just, we, I think what happens is you get this, like everybody kumbaya and we don't have to kumbaya. Anyway, that's the show. We'll be back on Friday for more. Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Neyman, Evan Angle, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie and Todd engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Mark Mahaney. The premier internet analyst in the world, so goddamn nice, so goddamn handsome, he appears Canadian, but that is all meaningful. But what is profound, Mark Mahaney is a wonderful role model and a fantastic father. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.